Welcome to the Startup Launchpad Podcast. I'm your host, Carl, and in each episode, we are going to unpack key insights, expert advice, and success stories to power up your startup journey. Let's make your entrepreneurial dreams a reality. Um, so we're going to kick off right now. My name is Pearl. I'm a partner at Startup Launch Code, and I'll be kind of uh, moderating this session today. And we have some amazing speakers here with us. And I'm really looking forward to gleaning from their knowledge and just having a really great um, conversation, laid back, nothing too serious, but just like um, learning from each other. I believe like there's nothing there's nothing more important and there's no faster way to learn than learning from other people's experiences. And so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that um, today. So I'm just going to do a very brief intro of the different speakers. Um, I will just um, call out their names and then I'll let them introduce themselves and their companies probably about two to three minutes. And then we'll get into some questions that we have um, for them. So Today, we're going to be talking about starting your journey as a founder and how to go about it. So like I said, even though it's, of course, there's, it's been a tough year for startups. We've seen a lot of startups born. We've seen a lot of startups die. But there, are those, um, there is a right way to do it. And it's still a very, very, um, it's still a great and um, impactful journey. That's not the word, but it's a journey that is very, very worthwhile, right? And so we just want to talk about going into the new year you are thinking about being a founder, um, what should you do and how should you go about it? And we've got some ama amazing speakers lined up to just share from their experience and give us advice. So first up, we have Augustine Ikwegweni. Augustine, if I, if I didn't say that right, I'm very sorry. But Augustine is here from Metis Capital Partners and Augustine is an investment analyst there. Um, next up, we've got the founder and CEO of Bloomfy. Ebenezer Sheon um, Oyajumo. Um, we've got him here with us as well. Great to have you on. Then we have Osita James Uche. He's the managing partner at Blackcrest. Um, great to have you. And last but not the least, we have the lady in the house, Damlola Kolawale. She's an investment professional at Rising Tide Africa. So we're going to be hearing today from founders and from um, investment, um, people actually giving founders money. <laughs> so we're going to be hearing from them. So let me open up the floor for each of the speakers to just two, three minutes, give us an introduction on themselves and their companies, what they do, and then we'll get into the discussion for today. So I'll start off with you, Augustine. You can go ahead. Hi, Paul. Um, thank you for the opportunity. Hello, everyone on the call. Um, so my name is Augustine Quibrain. Um, You really did not do a bad in pronouncing my last name. Um, so yeah, I'm currently an investment analyst at uh, Metis Capital Partners. Um, so Metis Capital Partners is um, a Nigerian-based single-family office that manages the world of Hakim and Mama Bella Sage, um, worth over $400 million. Um, and so basically, currently, I, I manage the technology investing operations there at Metis. Um, so we basically invest in you know technology-based um, startups um, in Africa. Um, um, prior to working at Meritis, I, you know, I used to work at Finema, um, as, um, an investment operations lead. Um, so basically, you know, helped founders to, you know, move from ideation to, you know, when they, um, launch their first product and, you know, get their first check from investors. Um, and so, yeah, basically, you know, those experiences have, um, shifted my liking for, 
the technology and like startup and um, startup ecosystem in Africa. Yeah, so that's so that's it about me. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, um, Augustine. And I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't. I did good. <laughs> All right, great. Um, Sean, can we have you? Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Sean. Um, some people also call me Ben. Uh, I'm the founder of Bloomfire. Um, at Bloomfire, we help um, newcomers to Canada get access to basic services like rental housing and uh, things like credit-backed products. Um, so that's a quick uh, synopsis of what we do. We're a Canadian company, and uh, we're basically trying to help people settle into new countries. Um, I think that sort of describes it pretty well. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Sean. And great to have you on. Um, Osita. Hi, everyone. Good Good evening. Uh, my name is Osita James. By the way, Sean sounds like a very rich man. You can tell from his voice. <laughs> don't, don't we wish? I'm going to say Sean should come and decide to do this claim But no, why? Of course. Yes, claim it. Okay. Like, yes. Sean sounds like a very rich man. Okay, so I am the managing partner at Blackcrest, and what we do at Blackcrest is that we're a startup focused law firm helping startups of all stages um, to to move from zero to one. Essentially, we were recently listed in the VC for Africa deals book of 2023 for our role in the investment advisory of Winnish Farms that just closed a seed round of $3 million. I was called to the Nigerian bar, studied at the Nigerian University of Technology, and went to do a master's in innovation management and entrepreneurship under a Shevning fully funded scholarship. I am a startup mentor at Because International, a US nonprofit operating in Kenya and West African and other East African countries. And so I bring my experience building several different startups like ShowAgent, uh, Flourish Opportunities Network, and Mobile Tech Hub in my approach in supporting founders at Blackcrest. Thank you. I hope that wasn't too long. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Thanks so much, Rosita. And last but not the least, um, Damilola, you can go ahead. So great to be here with, um, I mean, obviously highly experienced and great people. My name is Damilola Kolaoli. I'm a lawyer and an investment professional. I presently work with Rising Tide Africa, where we invest in female-led, female-managed and um, gender-diverse teams across all sectors in Africa, early-stage companies. And before Rising Tide Africa, I was with Real Capital Partners, where I worked as the operations and fund and fund administrative manager for our fund. And before V8, I was practicing in a law firm. So... I hope to bring like my diverse experience in law and in investments to this discussion today. All right. Thank you so much, Damilola. And great to have you on. And thank you, Sheo. Thank you, Gus. Thank you, Osita, for joining us. And yeah, let's dive right into it. So like I said, we're going to be talking about starting your journey as a founder and how to go about it. And I kind of alluded to it. So from my from my perspective, and I think quite a number of people agree with me, this year has been very telling for the startup startup um, community in Africa and, of course, in our own country, Nigeria, and just how things have gone. And there has been a shift. So I think from like COVID year 2020 up until 
last year there was just like this hype and buzz about like you need to there was this like formal low-key formal like if you are not investing in africa and then investors were just like kind of jumping all over themselves to like kind of invest in africa but then with the recession and then just a whole lot of things that have happened we've seen a lot of companies close down not just in africa actually everywhere right and it has really shifted from just like if you have an idea you would get investors to kind of like okay who are those people really building companies that are built out to last and we've had conversations like that um throughout the year just thinking about what founders should be looking at but then we're going into a new year um i think the climate of this um the community's climate has changed a bit and so i wanted to ask you guys um all, all the speakers perspectives in terms of like so it's not enough now just to have a half-baked idea right i think you agree with me it's not enough to just have a half, half-baked idea and like just run to the market and hope like business is more than that what do you think let's start from here what do you think um founders or it would be founder that is on the call now or would listen to the recording later what do you think they need to be effectively identifying and how should they properly validate like their business before they even start to invest significant resources right so what is that those things that they need to answer and say yes to and say, okay, we've checked all these boxes before actually venturing and say, yes, we're opening a startup. So I'm going to start from where I stopped. Ladies first, Damiola. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, obviously, the first thing is you want to be sure that um, the, the problem you're solving for your solution is presents like a lucrative opportunity. So I think the first thing I would say is think about profitability from the very beginning. And in fact, before you even start thinking about raising, you need to really understand why you want to raise, what you want to raise for, how do you want to use the raise. So I think the first thing I would say is to be more intentional about building out a business, be sure that the solution that you're providing presents a lucrative opportunity. And before you just, <laughs> just, just dive into raising money, just think about exactly what you want to raise the money for, how you want to utilize it, and if you even need to raise in in the first place. And also, it's also important to have a plan from the get-go. You have to be sure that you have a plan, a clear path to profitability. <clears throat> Sorry. And I, I think right now, it's not. there's really not a lot of opportunity to just be doing things anyhow you have to have it planned from the get-go so that's the first thing i would say all right thank you thank you damlola have a plan mm -hmm. and um profitability i love what you said about like just thinking about profits from the beginning how exactly are you going to make money so even if that investor fund those investor funds never come what is your what is that profit plan what is that roadmap to profitability so i think those are some like really really great points um do you want to go ahead Osita? Yeah. Um, first off, <laughs> I'm going to tell Damilola upfront that we're going to be having a lot of disagreement because I'm from I'm like a founder, right? I'm from a founder's background before we started our law firm to support founders. So I always disagree with the position of the venture capital people because the perspective to building is very different from the perspective of a founder that is building. They are very, very profit-oriented. They don't want to change the world. But that's the story for another day. <laughs> so I would say that the first thing to think of is actually the team. Um, the team has to be experienced. 
And when I say experience, I don't necessarily mean um, necessarily experience in building that specific, in that specific industry. Like you don't necessarily have to have people that have worked in banks to build a fintech. All right. You don't need people that have worked in logistics to build a an e-commerce, a food e-commerce that will deliver food all over the place. But you need people that have experience um, working in structure or trying to like organize something because you're going to need to do a lot of administrative tasks at the very beginning. And you need people that don't need to be told what to do, people that are sort of self-led. Uh, even if you're an individual founder, because teams is not necessarily just about co-founders, it's about the people that you work with, in essence. So you need them to be able to execute very quickly. You need them to be able to like think on their feet, figure out like ways to improve the process, so that that way, um, even from the very early stage, you're already making revenue. Everybody is contributing different ideas on how to scale it. That way, it is easier to meet the criteria of funding bodies that can see that you're growing like at a very fast pace, you know, giving very little resources. I think that's, that's for me, I think is the team, like one of the first things you need if you're starting out as a founder, very good team. All right. All right. Great points. Um, thank you so much, Rosita. Um, Sean. Okay. Um, I think my viewpoint is maybe going to be a little bit different. Short-term. So, um, I heard this thing a lot that, oh, founders should not come with half-baked ideas, should not uh, do this, should not do that. But I think that is basically looking at things from the wrong side of things or from the wrong view. Um, This is not an casting aspersions on anyone. Because at least, as most of us know, there are a thousand and one ways for a startup to die. You get no matter how good the team is, no matter how great the idea is, no matter how great the business model is. Anytime you're trying to build a startup, you are just trying to make it survive till the next day so that it doesn't die until it achieves stability. At every point in time, whether you are funded, whether you are not funded, whether you have a team or not, whether you have technology or not, whether you have customers or not, you're basically fighting problems up to the point at which you achieve that stability. So for founders, it's not often about finding the right way to do things than not doing the wrong things. You get, for example, managing your, you get your cash flow well, you get uh, acquiring customers. If you are funded, not burning or not doing too much burn, in an, in an unsustainable manner, you get being very careful with who you hire, the person at which you hire, and uh, of course, the business model itself. Does your unit economics work from a fundamental basis? And how are you managing your overhead? You get are you overspending on the things you should not be spending on? You get um, have you achieved product market fit or are you seeing? inclinations that you might be on the path to that. And also another thing with um, building a business generally is no matter how well thought out your business is and your business plan or your deck is, like they say, nothing survives contact with the market. I don't, I can't remember the exact phrase, but basically when you come in contact with the market, that's when you know the reality of what is happening. You get 
You might think, you might even do extensive customer discovery, talk to a thousand people, and they'll tell you, pay for this and all that. But it is when you get out there and you are validating your business that you know the actual state of things. Okay. People might tell you they have willingness to pay. What if they don't have capacity to pay? You won't know that until you get into the market and you don't have a uh, a crystal ball that can peer into people's pockets to show that they have the capacity to pay until you actually go out there and put it in front of them. So for me, one the biggest thing now for most founders is just make sure you survive to the next day. As long as you are surviving, it's another chance to pivot your business, to iterate your business model, to make tweaks here and there, to make the business work. I think that's one of the disadvantages or the, the bad side of the prior paradigm we had, in where, which there was relatively easier capital, in that money covers a lot of defects or a lot of faults. So you can, for example, if you are having money or uh, trouble with making money from your customers, you can keep burning investors' money to acquire more customers in the hope that you eventually find the ideal customer profile that is going to pay for what you're making. Right now, there is that luxury doesn't exist anymore. You either make money or you die. You get. So that's just my point of view. That at this point, startup founders like myself and others. To just focus on one and one thing only. How can you serve customers? What will your customers pay for? And uh, just keep building day in, day out, as long as you can. Yeah, and uh, that, that's my own point of view. Um, thank you so much, Yon. Um, I'd love to hear like a different opinion. And I definitely 110% agree with you. Um, and I love the points that you brought up, where it's not just like, there are so many ways that startups die. I hundred percent agree and we've seen that this year from zero funding to funding of over a billion dollars and they're all dying right um so i think that's really really good but i think you one thing i think that really really i think every founder or would be founder or aspiring founder or current early stage founder is, needs to do is not focus so much on what you need to do but focus more about not doing the wrong things i think that's what you said and just asking these little questions right there are so many things outside of your control but what are those things that you you can control? Um, does your unit economics work? Am I making sure that I have that financial knowledge to make sure I'm managing the resources that I do have well? Um, and I also love that quote, nothing survives contact with the market. Like you can plan from now to tomorrow, but when the market comes and everything that you have on paper just doesn't work, how are you going to adjust then? So I think those are some really, really great points. And it actually um, brings me to um, the second question that I have. Um, and I see, okay, Gus is back. Um, so Gus, I definitely want to hear your thoughts, but it brings me to a second question I had. And I think, um, I'm sharing about this idea of, it's not like you can't, like, it's not just about don't bring half-baked ideas, right? Because again, you can build as you go, right? I think that was what he was saying. But then, um, there are so many, what I think that when you are, as a founder, when you kind of like know what is going to happen, for lack of a better way to say, when you have insight. So if someone tells you, okay, if you are going to start this, this and this is probably going to happen. That expectation, setting expectations really helps um, elongate your perseverance, if I may so say. Um, I think that's probably what I want to, yeah, I think that's the word to use. So what do you think, what do you think, what are some 
um, challenges that is almost like a rite of passage for founders, right? What are these challenges that would-be founders need to just know that this is going to happen? It doesn't mean there's something bad. It's just literally a rite of passage. And when it comes to like ideas, so how do you think, um, what, do you, what would be your advice to founders to say, okay, this is the, this is the right time to like launch out because there's the slippery slope of running too fast with an idea without doing the proper um, work. But there's also the slippery slope of getting into analysis paralysis and not just launching out when you actually have a great idea, right? So two-pronged question, number one, what are some challenges that cha- founders would face? I think setting up expectations helps to really, really um, build that perseverance. And so the second thing would be, when is the right time to actually launch? Like, what is that? What does that look like? What would be your advice to a founder saying, I have this idea, I'm not sure that is right. What is that I, um, advice you have for founders? So um, I'll start off with maybe Gus. Let's see whether Gus, you can speak now. Yes, I can. I can speak now. Um, okay, apologies. Uh, my network was really fighting me. I was uh, in and out. I don't know why. Um, yeah, sure. yeah. So to to answer your question, right? Um, like trying to validate ideas, um, you know, can be tricky, and can be daunting, right? Um, one of the first things I would say, you know, when trying to validate, um, because what I've noticed, you know, with young founders is, you know, everyone is more or less like scared of, um, you know, the concept of people stealing your idea, which, quote unquote, if you allow me to use the word, I think it's bullshit because, you know, an idea is nothing until, you know, you start to work on it. It's An idea is just an idea, right? Um, and so it's really important for young founders to, um, first off, you know, try to speak to people who have gone the road, you know, before them you know, try to have like uh, mentors early enough. I mean, people who are like, you know, have built um, one venture or the other, um, you know, to, to actually guide you, right? So that you do not have, because, you know, it's more like trying to save you time. You don't have to make mistakes that, you know, um, they would have told you not to make if you actually consulted with them, um, you know. So um, that's, that's one. It's always good to lean on the experience of, other people who has gone the um, who has gone the journey you know before you. Um, also, in terms of like you know validating you know an idea, and um, it's it's like always important to for obviously first of all do your research, um, you know, and you know first of all try to like grow lean, right? I don't really see um, any point or any value in you know spending a lot of money trying to validate your idea, right? Um, I mean. If you are, especially if you are building for Africa, if you're spending a lot of money trying to validate your idea, um, there's every high tendency that you know at the end of the day, if you if you are successfully uh, if you successfully launch that venture, it's not going to be successful, right? Um, so try to validate your idea. Why, why being lean, right? Um, you know, understanding the markets, doing the research, um, actually being close to the customer that you are looking to serve. Um, knowing the problem that they're actually facing and trying to know the, dif- uh, the difference between, um, you know, game creators and like, um, you know, um, um, and pain and, and, and pain um, um, solving problems, right? Um, because, you know, there are some ideas that are good on paper. You might even do a survey, you know, um, customers will tell you, oh, yeah, they like this idea. You know, this is something that's really hitting them um, in the butt. But the question is, when you finally put the product together, 
you know, and you launch, are they willing, you know, to pay for it, you know, to actually get that problem solved? Because truly there might be a problem that exists, but you also need to understand if that problem is painful enough for them to want to pay for it, right? And so it's it's really important to, you know, find the right balance between, you know, the problem you're trying to solve and also, um, because, I mean, you're trying to build a business. So you have to also think about, um, you know, the unit economics of, um, side of it, right? Is, is this something, um, you know, that, you know, people are willing to pay for if yes. So how much are they, how much are they willing to pay for, right? And so, you know, you could, I mean, I've, I've seen products that have, you know, um, um, I've seen ideas that have been validated by just, um, you know, um, 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 Google Forms, right? Um, as, as simple as Google Forms, you know, people, um, launch a business just using Google Forms, not having to pay for a website or anything, you know, just, you know, knowing, because you also need to know, um, you know, the, the, the blockages or the, the hitches that exist, you know, in running that operations as well. Right. And so it's always best to um, actually, you know, um, launch a business starting lean. Um, that's, that's what I would say. I, I hope I answered the question. I don't know if I missed anything because it truly, really, I was like, uh, really struggling to hear at the beginning of it. Yeah. 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 That's fine. That's fine. Um, Augustine, I think, and I think you touched on some really good points in terms of that. An idea is not an idea until you, I, 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 an idea isn't worth much until you actually start working on it. So as fast as possible, when you get an idea, um, just start to actually validate that. Like it's not enough to, you want not all oh, people are interested, but are people actually willing to pay for that service and as much as possible to get, um, that MVP, how can, how, what do you need? What is the minimum thing that you need to validate idea? Even if it's as simple as Google Forms, what does that look like? So I think, yeah, you gave some really, really good points. Um, um, Sean, do you want to touch on that a bit? Um, so challenges and when is the right time to actually start, if there is such a thing? Um, I haven't learned the hard way myself. I think, mm. um, like the last person said, Seriously, validate, validate, validate. And even after you validate and validate some more, don't rush to go and be building tech and all that BS. You don't need a website. Well, I, you don't need a website. You don't, <laughs> you don't need all that fancy tech. Just do something for people and make them pay you. That's the core of this old startup thing. Will people pay you? That's it. If people won't pay you, don't bother doing it. Yeah, of course, you can test things out for a bit, you get, um, try different ideas. But the core of it and the beginning and end of it all is, will people pay for this service you are offering? You get, um, like I said earlier, you can do all the surveys in the world. You can do customer interviews, user research, this one, that one, strategy mapping. At the end of the day, it is one thing only, will they pay? for what you want to do for them or for what you want to sell to them. And that's the beginning and end of this startup world. All the story about innovation, vision, all of that, they are just abstractions that cover up the core of it all. You get, funny thing is this is not even my first startup. I've, I've been involved with other startups in the past. But with every new startup, I just keep learning different new lessons you get but the one that still keeps ringing my head the most through all this while is still the same one which is this validate and the only way to validate is by taking money from people 
will they pre can you pre-sell what you are trying to sell let me give you an example you are trying to uh help people stop bedwetting let's just use that as an example tell them to pay before you launch tesla does it you won't get the car for the next two years or three years or even four years as we all know um elon musk lies all the time but he will tell you to pay maybe a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars or four thousand dollars as a deposit and people willingly pay so try and do something similar for your business there is no stronger validation for a business than pre-sales. If don't let me lie to you, I didn't do that for Bloomfire, and it's it's come to bite me in the ass now. I had someone that kept reiterating to me that I should have done that, make people pre like deposit money upfront before we launched. I was like, no, I've already done customer discovery, all this, all that, and uh, people really need this service. People keep telling me every day that they are waiting for this service. You come to the market and you find out the reality is different. Oftentimes, it's not like people are lying to you. It's just that people themselves don't know they are lying to you. It could be just that they don't have the capacity to pay for what you are trying to give them. Again, yeah, you might need to just iterate, validate and iterate. Be lean, be agile. You get, it comes down to one thing. Make people pay for what you want to give them. And if they're not going to pay for it, find something else they're going to pay for. That's the beginning and end of all these stories. <laughs> and that's it. That's all I have to say on that. All right. Thank you so much, Emma. I think those are some really, really great points. Validate, validate, validate. Validation equals to exchange of money. And I think that's a pretty interesting idea just in terms of like making sure that people, getting people to prepay. And I think many times we get in our heads about like, oh, we need to, like you said, all the shiny tech and all this, and it needs to do that. But just like, if it's a problem, if you've identified a real problem in the market and you've identified that market um, that has that problem, are they willing to pay for it? So not just, yeah, this is great, but are they willing to pay for it? And just really get into that as fast as possible. Um, yeah, I think those are some really, really great points. Thank you, Sheon. Um, So, um, Damlola and... Um, I want to ask you a question. So I know that from your experience, um, you've worked with a lot of startup founders and you've worked with probably seen people who have um, started and failed and um, started and had to close up. I don't think failure is a bad thing, really, um, versus those who have really gone on to like really build incredible companies. And what would you say in terms of your experience would be those characteristics of um, founders that actually make it and not even just in terms of like personal qualities but there's just some what are some characteristics anyway that you've seen with founders that okay when you see okay this person most likely or even in their companies when you see okay we see this 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 most likely this person is going to make it whether it's with this company or the next one but this person is going to make it um can you say anything about that um damnola let me start with you okay thank you pearl so um i mean there I should say kudos to all the founders out out there, founders on this call, because it's not easy to start something and uh, execution. It's easy to have ideas, but execution is really hard. So well done, everybody that is a founder. So concerning characteristics that, from my experience, I've noticed in founders that um, that run 
successful companies. And I should also say that, again, there's really nothing wrong with trying and failing. There are lots of founders that have tried and failed, and it was a venture that eventually did that, you know, made them the successful founders that we know we know today. So don't be scared of failure. Uh, getting that out of the way, I think one one of the good qualities that I'll that I'll mention is there are most many of these founders are agreeable. By agreeable, I mean they're open to taking suggestions from people. So if you're someone that when you have an idea you're bent on doing strictly that thing. You don't want to change. This is my idea. This is my plan. You know, this is the products that I want to build. This is what the, this is what I'm seeing the market is saying. And while executing, different signs are telling you, guy, you need to pivot. You need to ship something else. But you're very bent on doing strictly that thing. It's going to be a problem. So I think successful founders need to be agreeable. They need to be, maybe humility is the word to use, I don't know, but they need to be agreeable to be able to listen to the market, listen to their team members. If you have co-founders, listen to your co-founders, listen to your investors, let your numbers speak to you. If you numbers are very important, so and numbers do talk, right? So if you think this is what it should be, this is what you know my projections are, and I'm going to strictly stick to that. But numbers are telling you differently. There's a place of resilience. I'll still touch on that, but sometimes you also need to be able to move fast and move quickly. And I think that's one of the things that makes startups startups: the ability to pivot quickly and ship things fast. So I think great founders need to be agreeable and they also need to be able to ship fast, ship quickly, move quickly. It's very important to be able to pivot. A lot of successful companies that we know today did not start out with, they're not still doing what they started out to do in the first instance where they started their companies, right? So you need to be able to move quickly and be agreeable, listen to people, take feedback let your number speak to you. <laughs> I, I just like to say, let your number speak to you. So it's saying something, listen to what it is saying, right? And another thing, another quality that I would say that founders like that have is collaboration. You need to be able to collaborate and you're collaborating with not just your co-founder, right? If you have a co-founder, you're still collaborating with your team members, you're collaborating with your investors, you're collaborating with your customers, with your users, with the people you provide your service to or people who buy your products. So many investors will tell you that they invest in the founders and not necessarily the companies. It's because personality of founders is very important. Investors like to, you when you're doing due diligence, you also want to see, you also want to do some kind of profiling of the personality of the founder that you're speaking to. Is this a founder that would listen to, to advice, a founder that can move quickly? You know, because we've experienced founders that something, the market is selling something different. You're selling them something different, but they're, but they're not moving quickly. They're not moving quickly till it goes really bad before they now start to try to act. So founders that are going to be successful need to be collaborative. You need to be able to collaborate with, with everyone, your investors, your team members, your co-founders, and your your users also. Another thing is yeah. resilience, right? I think I should also mention it because you have to develop a thick skin. That's why entrepreneurship is not easy at all. You need to have a thick skin. Things are going to be bad before they eventually become good. 
even when they are good, things can still go bad. So you're going to have burnouts. It's it's one of the problems you face. So just brace up for it. Entrepreneurship in itself is demanding and different things can lead to burnout. So you need to also have like, just prioritize yourself sometimes. It's to be hard. You need to also have a support system around you. It could be in form of your team members, your co-founders, your family, your friends. You know, you just need to develop a thick skin. Actually, if you're operating in a market like Nigeria, where it's a very volatile market, you know, there are lots of economic uncertainties, lots of fluctuations in the market, and these things can really impact how, like, how your business does. And especially if you're a founder that has, that has now taken money from outside investors, there's also like obligation and some more pressure on you to to deliver. So you need to develop a thick skin to be able to <laughs> to be able to you know take all these things as they happen and try to just see the good happening at the end of the day. So I would allow um, Osita to also share some comments. Great. Thanks, Dami. Um, Osita, yeah, you can go ahead. Thanks a lot, Dami, for that. Thanks a lot for that. Um, so uh, one, one of the things that usually stands out for successful founders is that they're usually very charismatic for like when they walk into a room and they're sort of trying to like get people to know about their product or just try to like get to meet other people to figure out what are their areas for collaboration and all that. So usually within the first um within the first five minutes they're able to like introduce themselves and explain exactly what they're trying to do in as very few words as possible. Most of the founders that I've seen that are very successful are usually very charismatic. And the second thing is that they have a very clear vision. So we've worked with so many different startups that were trying to raise funds from from people like Dami Lola and Josh and Gus. And usually what interests the venture capitals beyond all the other metrics that they look at is the fact that the the vision is big enough to accommodate several other products. And that's actually something that makes some founders successful and other people unsuccessful. So when you set out to build maybe, um, let's say, a fintech that does remittance, if something goes wrong with regulation or remittance, you're automatically stuck. You can't move forward. But if you set out to build... um a financial solution that can enable payments in some way, whether it's for payments for businesses or payments for individuals across borders or within borders. What it just does is that the vision is wide enough to accommodate several different products. And a very good example of this is the Softcom company that builds AOO and a couple of other fleet of products still all under the same, under the same holding company. Right. And there's also a money, money, money point. The money point holding company that has Bonify, Team Apt, and a couple of other products. So essentially, the vision has to be large enough to accommodate several different product ideas. So usually, founders that are successful have very clear visions that are wide enough to accommodate several ideas. And then they are long term thinking. Sometimes when we are being the lawyers that we are, I think 
I think that Milona may be able to relate with this. Um, when we have clients that are speaking to investors, trying to raise 500K, 300K, so we're always on the other side insisting on certain terms, saying that we don't agree, that our client is not going to agree to this. And then the founder is just like, there's no, there's no problem. And then we're like, why does he want to accept this? And then it's like that the way he sees it, that it's mostly about like relationships and long term, that this other guy is participating in this round now, that even if they're even investing a small amount in comparison to the other investors, that this person is very influential in the industry and might be able to help them in the future when they want to raise a bigger round. So it's funny because we as a lawyer, as our interest is trying to ensure that every single term favors the client, which are the startups, right? So, but the, the founders that I've seen that are usually very successful, that go on to go close the rounds, meet all their KPIs, you know, the KPIs that are tied to the disbursement of the investment funds, they are usually people that are long-term thinking. They are not so focused on all the terms that are on the agreements, even though the terms are important. They're usually more focused on what does it mean for the long term if this person joins or if this person joins our team. They are usually thinking like that, and it's something very exceptional to see. They pay very close attention to details. Pay very close attention to details. If you've met the CEO of one of these YC backed startups, You'd be surprised. He probably knows the language that he wrote the platform in, even if the person doesn't even have a, a software engineering background. He probably knows the language and probably knows why that specific language was used. And he also knows the next language that might be used to improve processes. So they pay a lot of attention to details, like every single aspect of the operation, they know about it. They may not be the one handling it on a day-to-day, but they know about it. And if you go back to when the company actually started, they were probably the ones that set up the foundations that led to the way the process evolved. So very exceptional founders usually pay a lot of attention to details. They know where they're currently spending a lot of money on. They know um, what they need to improve because they're tracking it. They're tracking their cash bond. They're tracking their recurring revenue. They're tracking a lot of things. So they pay a lot of attention to details and investors love to work with those type of founders because they know that they're going to want to account for every single penny because they're very, they're very, very like, they pay a lot of attention to the details of how they're building. And then the last thing I would mention that makes a founder very exceptional is authenticity. One of the reasons why the YC ecosystem, you know, sort of spewed over in Silicon Valley and so on. One of the reasons why they are so successful is not so much um, because they have like innovative ideas or anything like that. Yes, the ideas are innovative, but it's really because when they tell you that we want to change the world, they genuinely want to change the world. I'm not saying they want to change the world in terms of, oh, we're trying to raise $1 billion to build the next AI or anything like that. It's not that, but They've identified a problem that is persistent and some of them have dedicated like five years of their life trying to solve that one problem. And why it's so powerful is because even in the next five years, assuming you're a VC and you passed on that person, if you come back, they will still be solving that same problem because it's like their life's work. 
they've decided that this is it for them and they'll just keep doing that. Whether it's in this product or in a different product, but still in the same industry, still trying to solve the same problem. So most exceptional founders are very authentic. When they they tell you that they're trying to like that when they first started building it, that this was how they did it. They spoke with these people, they traveled to over 60 African, sorry, they traveled to over 30 African countries to figure out differences. A good example is a keeper CEO that said they traveled to, I think around 20 African countries or something like that in a very short period of time to figure out like how their payment systems are working and figure out a way to like solve um SME solve a pro- big problem for SMEs in Africa. So it comes off as very authentic that someone would go through that sort of journey to like really know, like it's very easy to sit down, sit down on your computer and do a couple of research and just assume that that's the problem that people are having. But it's different. It's different when you actually like go out there and you find out by speaking with people. So it's very different. And I think it resonates a lot with people that are interested in these sort of founders. So I would say that it's a good it's a good characteristic for someone to have if they want to be successful. All right, great. Thank you so much, Osita. Thank you very much for those points. I think you made some really, really good points. And I know that different ones listening um, definitely will get something from that. And Damilola as well, thanks. Okay, so I have one last question that I want for all of you to answer. But just before that, I have a question for Sheon. And um, just, um, I like the balanced um conversation so while all this can go wrong and this is what is happening and all of that and this is what you need to look out for but Sean, i want to ask in your perspective and you know your opinion what are the most rewarding aspects of being a founder and what drives you to continue on this path um the most rewarding aspect of it for me is two things is helping people solve problems you get and the nature of the fact that you get to work on, intellectually for me, it's very exciting because you get to work on different problems, right? Today it might be a business model issue you are dealing with. Tomorrow it might be an operational issue. The next one is an hiring issue. The day after that is a strategy issue you get. So you get to work on so many things. But the paramount part and the most interesting part is the fact that you are solving problems for people, right? People who otherwise might just have to keep languishing in that state they were in before you created that solution. You get that that's just it. Yeah. That's the that's yeah, that's that's what makes it worth it. You get. And sometimes when I just be like, I'm tired of this old palaver. That's like what makes me wake up and continue. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sean. Real authentic, like um uh, said. And I also think um, like Loki to succeed as a founder, just to like add my own point, you have to Loki love so not chaos like you love when things are scattered, but you need to be able to like Loki just appreciate the journey and appreciate the process because if not, you're going to like give up somewhere in between. But you need to be able to like that process and that journey and the chaos and the difficulties have to somehow feed your energy to keep going to be able to, and I think. That in itself is so, so, so worthwhile. So um, thanks for that. And just to anybody listening, like the journey is not easy, but it is definitely worthwhile um, if you um, really focus on problem solving and just know that these things will happen. But um, yeah, all right. Okay, so the final question that I have for everyone, all the speakers just before we're rounding up, is really just um, what is your one, two, 
Um, one or two pieces of advice for that would be found out. Maybe we've not touched on everything. We only de definitely have like 60 minutes. But what is that advice for a would-be founder and trying to like start up something, trying to build something that matters? What is that final advice, or maybe from your experience, from what you've learned or something, to give to startup founders about what they're trying to build? Um, yeah. So, Gus, I'll start with you. I, I was going okay, to say, let me go first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, 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 Sorry. go, go. Yeah, sure. No okay, problem. so there was something... There was something Sharon said um, about, sorry, I think it was you, Pearl. You said something about being able to like manage chaos. So I wanted to like quickly refer to Eric Schmidt, who was, who was the C CEO of Google. He actually refers to what they do at Google as managed chaos. He says that innovation is managed chaos, that the way they don't tell their employees how to innovate, but they manage their inventive chaos. You know, so it's very, very interesting concept. And I think whoever wants to know more about that can just check out Innovation is Managed Chaos, um, Masters of Skill. It's like a podcast by Rain, I think Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, it's like a podcast where he interviews the CEO, former CEO of Google. So that would help you to understand like how Google does it and how they're able to get lots of their employees innovative as well. So on to the advice that I would give a founder that is just starting. I would say that it's very hard to build. <laughs> it's very hard to build. And with the way the ecosystem is structured right now in Nigeria, uh, there is no, there's no free pizza anyway. Again, there's no free pizza. Like even grants now require people to already be making revenue before they will consider you. You know, so there's no freebie anywhere for anyone again. I would say that one thing that I learned personally, as well as also saw in a lot of the other founders that I worked with, is that you need to take care of your personal finances as a founder. Part of the issues that have been coming up, founders paying themselves big salaries and all that, is mostly because some of those founders that started building those startups did not have a plan. They did not plan their own personal finances properly. Now, this is not to say that people that don't have their personal finance all figured out should not build. That's not to say that. But I just think that it's just good to like have some plan. It's just good to have some plan. If you're going to be building for a year and you're not sure whether you're going to be able to make a lot of revenue because the model has not been tested before, you still have your rent. You still have your feeding expenses. You still have your living expenses. So like the investor is not going to want to assume that you're using them as a plan for <laughs> meeting up with your own personal expenses, right? In fact, some investors might even include it as due diligence. Uh, they will just want to find out, okay, like how is this person even doing? Like are they people that already have some things taken care of so that we can now focus on actually doing the work? I think that founders need, especially African founders, they need to really figure out their personal finances. From the, if, no matter how small, you don't have to like do anything exceptional. Even if it's to go and live in a place that's not so expensive, just so that you cut down your costs so that you know that your rent's taken care of and that you have basic, basic funds to fund basic things. And then you now have enough mental energy to actually put towards what you're building. Failure to do that means that once you start raising money, 
that will be your priority, not actually meeting the targets of what you're trying to build. Thank you very much, Bill. All right. Thanks, Osita. Um, Gus, um, Augustine, do you want to go? Yes. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, so just to reiterate, right? Um, so I think um, the the question was um, like a final advice to that founders who who are like who want to start a venture. Is, is that started? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so one one thing I would say is um, because in my experience, right, like um, many people move from being employees to starting their own ventures, right? So just like Damila said. Um, you know, you really need to care of your personal finances. And I think I would say, um, but not many people would agree, but I would say this to a very large extent that you need to be um, liquid when it comes to cash, like in terms of your personal finances, um, to actually, you know, say you want to comfortably, you know, quit your job and want to focus on that. But I'm not saying, you you know, you have to have like a lot of like a million dollars in the bank or you know, you need to have enough to at least sustain you um, because it only takes like a sane mind, you know, to like really do something impactful, right? Um, I mean, you don't want to build in a startup when you are trying to like figure out how to pay for rent um, or you probably not eating in the past two days or something like that, you know. So you really need to, um, you know, be stable, um, you know, in terms of your income, being able to take care of your basic needs. Um, at least um, for say the next six twelve months, you know, before you you know you comfortably want to quit your job and like move move to um, starting a startup. And um, the reason why I say this is because you know most of the time, um, your startup journey, um, you know, you're gonna be doing that you know without money as opposed to you know with money. You don't just like you know say you want to start a startup and you know you're um you're gonna raise like a couple of million dollars. Um, you know, just to just to launch the venture, it, it barely happens that way. You know, um, it barely happens that way. Um, also, like in my experience, like working with founders, um, I've noticed that the best founders, um, you know, are the ones who are able to, you know, grow their startup, achieve, um, you know, success, um, with little funding, right? So you really know, you really need to know how to actually go lean, um, you know. Um, even while you are bootstrapping your startup, you really need to know how to go lean. Really need to know how to validate your ideas um, in the cheapest way possible, whilst it being very, very effective, and you know you being able to trust the result of of that process. Right? It's like really, really important for you to understand how to actually, you know, also validate the markets. Right? Um, understand what your customers are actually telling you, and understand. Um, to what extent you could trust the data, you know, that you are generating from your whole your whole process. And one like final thing I would say is, um, you know, you need to ask yourself a question like, what what is really my motivation to you know in in you know trying to create this startup? Like, because it's I, I see I see the startup journey as you know one entering into a marriage, right? You know, where the idea of a marriage is, you know, um, for life, right? So I see it in, in that way, right? And so you really, you know, you, just the same way you ask yourself questions of, oh, okay, why am I getting into this marriage? You know, I, you know, so you really need to ask yourself the right questions. The, what are your motivations, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, when all the chips are down and you're feeling, you know, unmotivated, you know, probably had a couple of losses, you know, investors not responding to your messages, um, you know, and you're just like frustrated and you want to like give up, right? It's that motivation that, you know, 
that would keep you going and like okay no I, I have to like you know keep pushing forward because you're like really interested about you know what you're building you're really interested about the you people you're building for the problem you're trying to solve right so like there's no need lying to yourself right you really need to know why you're doing this and you also need to because you know at the start of you know your, your venture right you would need people you know who are willing to trust you and also jump on the bag wagon and like jump on the risk with you right so you know you really need to you know be have that kind of like personality you know, whereby, you know, people are able to bank on you and like say, um, okay, we trust this person. We are really to, we are, we are ready to like, you know, jump and build this person's dream with him or her. Right. So, um, you, you definitely need to have like people's person, right. You need to be a people's person, um, to some sort, right. Somebody that you know, it's charismatic enough to convince people, you know, to build something with you, even when you're not able to pay them. Because um, at the start of the venture, your co-founder or whoever you bring on as a co-founder or, you know, your team, um, you know, especially when you're bootstrapping, most times you might have to end up, you know, having some sort of equity agreement with them um, and not paying them cash, you know, and being able to motivate them to actually do the work, right? And being able to motivate them to actually do the work. Um, so that's, uh, those, those are like some of the nuggets I, I would say um, you know, um, in the, for, for people uh, planning to start their journey. Um, yeah. Um, so kudos to, um, to all the founders on this call and those of you that like, you know, are, are planning on like, you know, jumping on, um, you know, the journey of like, you know, solving Africans, uh, Africa's problem. Um, you know, I, I really wish you, wish you well. Um, thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Augustine. And those are some really great points. Thanks a lot. Um, Damilola, let's take you and then we'll end up with you and then we'll call it a day. Okay. Uh, can you just quickly help me with the question again? So I'm sure. Just, I'm saying just the right advice word. for would-be founders. Okay. So um, for would-be founders, I would say prepare your mind, prepare yourself for it. It's a tough journey. So just you know don't expect a rosy journey it's not rosy life itself is hard and entrepreneurship is harder so prepare your mind for it but be optimistic and hope for the best and definitely you want to be sure that you do iterative development you just want to iterate based on feedback from markets based on feedback from people i think i mentioned this earlier because continually improving yourself continually improving your products is very important to aligning your products with what the market needs so you have to iterate and continually develop yourself as a person and also developing your products all right thank you so much damla um sean any last words before we close out yeah i mean yeah um um not much to say I think everyone else has already said it. It's difficult. My advice is you need to really think deeply if this is really what you want to do before you embark on it. Don't be rash. Again, I feel like a lot of us can be very rash, including myself, in jumping into entrepreneurship. So let me lie to you. If I, this is not my first rodeo, so I already knew it was going to be shaky, but don't let me lie to you. It's going to be worse than you think it is going to be when you jump into it. So make appropriate preparations in terms of your own finances, in terms of your own partner circumstances before jumping into it. And uh, try, like I said, validate, validate, validate. If you can do the validation uh, like and get sizable revenue, 
before you go to market at all. I'm telling you, that's the best approach to it. Don't just think that, okay, because you've done some interviews, you've done customer discovery and all that, and you think you are ready to jump in, my guy, you land flat on your face. So that's my advice to people. Just think it through really well before you jump into building a startup. No matter wherever you're building, whether in Africa, whether abroad, anywhere in the world, it's a difficult thing to do. And uh, it doesn't get any easier. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you to all our speakers, Osita, Damlola, Augustine, Sean. Thank you for sharing with us. And I know that everyone on the call kind of got at least one thing. And I know that people who listen will get a lot from it as well. And thanks to everyone who joined us um, for the conversation this evening. And um, yeah, so we're done. Thank you so much. And have a good rest of the night. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time for the next conversation. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. If you found value in today's episode, you can find more at gotlaunchpad.com. Stay inspired, stay innovative, and keep building those dreams. Until next time, bye.